The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 13th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, uh, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Wow, what a beautiful day here in Sonoma County. I'm so happy to be here at our studio recording, and we have a real exciting, I have a pretty exciting show today. I have two special guests joining me on the phone. will be Mary Moore, who's a longtime activist in our community. I met Mary many years ago when she organized the Bohemian Grove protest here in Sonoma County. We will be talking this morning a bit of history about Sonoma County. Uh, in 2000, a comprehensive comprehensive report was provided by the California Advisory Committee to the United States Commission on Civil Rights uh, about the community concerns about law enforcement in uh, Sonoma County. Mary, along with many concerned citizens, initiated having this report take place. I mean, they actually invited people down here to Sonoma County. And, you know, our history is our strength. And it has been 20 years since the report happened, and we are still debating civilian oversight of law enforcement in our county and many across the country. You know, at present, there's a tax force reviewing the Evelyn Cheatham Effective uh, Iolero Ordinance, number FPPC, number 142-2712. And I believe that the 2000 report is not only a piece of our history, but an important resource. And Mary Moore holds the history to that, and I'm really excited that she's going to be on the show to talk about this. It's one of my passions, actually. Also joining me on the phone is another one of my favorite people, Debbie McKay, who's the president of the Sonoma County chapter of the League of Women Voters. Uh, Debbie will be advising us about a special presentation that will be happening this Wednesday, July 15th at 6 p.m. that the League of Women Voters of Sonoma County is hosting. It's a presentation on how to run for city or town council. And you know something? We have a great lineup of people. They include Esther Lemus, who is the vice mayor at the town of Windsor. We have our own Victoria Fleming, who is Santa Rosa's vice mayor. We have Marta Cruz Concepcion, who is the Cloverdale City Council member. Oh, my goodness. Women, we're taking over the world, aren't we? And former, another one of my favorite people, one of the really, when he sat on the city council, it was very impressive, was a former city council member and also former vice mayor, Mr. Lee Pierce. And they will share how they successfully ran for office and hopefully give others a little bit of encouragement about what what it takes. And it takes a lot. It takes a commitment. And, you know, it's very interesting. One of the things I want to remind people who are voted into office, you are voted by we the people. And the expectation is that you will support us, that you will take care of us, that you will assure us that we have safety, that we have good law enforcement, that we have good uh, good programs in place that help the community. And most importantly, 
most importantly, we truly need to have oversight, law enforcement oversight. And I was thinking a lot about it. I don't understand the resistance, particularly from law enforcement and their union, because when everybody's safe this way. You know, law enforcement, they know that there's kind of a watchdog watching them, and so they, it helps them to be just a little bit more careful. And then citizens can can gain more trust in their trusted servants. I mean, at the time right now, it feels like we can't trust anything. I mean, it's really a very serious time, and we really have to start thinking about things like that, thinking about what is community? How do we serve the community? What is it when we become elected? It feels like once you get elected, you make all these promises at first, and then once you're in office, it's, oh, see you later, guys. You know, I'm going to do what I want. But that's not what it's all about. The most important thing about a democracy is that we have the right to vote. We have the right to choose our leaders And we need to make those choices very, very carefully. And unfortunately, we don't because we, you know, people don't have time. They don't do research. We can't even trust the resources lately that we have. That's why public radio is so important. At least you can gleam out some truth. I really, I really believe that. Well, you know, our history is our strength, and today is July the 13th, uh, 2020. You know, next month we're going to be celebrating 100 years since women got the vote. Aren't we excited? And they just voted down that the employee can't pay for our birth control. One of the most important things that we need as women is birth control so we can help control the population. You know, what is this? Every sperm and every, every egg is sacred? Come on, guys. Let's wait up we need population control that's what worth that's what uh, birth control covers but also i think the underlying reason there's all this resistance to women having birth control is this, god forbid we have control over our own bodies i mean that is so important you know we're all they say in the bible we call ourselves a christian nation everybody's made in the image of god well I'm, i was made a woman i want to be able to take care of my own body i don't want some guy out there telling me i can i can't have birth control or i have to have children or i can't have an abortion i can't make choices for myself You know, ladies, we have worked long and hard. First of all, to get the vote, we only got the vote by one vote. It took us 72 years. We had to go to jail. We had to be waterboard. We had to be insulted. I mean, I saw they had a program on PBS called The Vote. And I couldn't believe it. There was a parade, and the men were throwing bottles at the women. Bottles, because they were asking for equality. They were asked to be able to participate in this country that we call a democracy by being able to have the vote. It baffles me. Women need to stand up. We need to get pretty loud. Well, you know, our history is our strength. And one of the things I do, I want to thank the National uh, Alliance the National History Alliance that was founded here in Sonoma County. They have a listing every month of all the birthdays and, and, and very important uh, uh, accomplishments that women have made during that month, and we're into July. And I'm really excited because I found two birthdays, and these are two women that I really admire. And I'm going to go just give a little historical picture about them and let you know why I, why I admire them. Well, today, would have, um, July 16th, 1821, and she passed away December 3rd, 1910, was a woman by the name of Mary Baker Eddy. 
She was an American religious leader and author who founded the Church of Christ Scientists in New England in 1879. She also founded the Christian, uh, the Christian Science Monitor, a Pulitzer Prize winning secular newspaper in 1908. And there are three religious magazines that she founded, uh, the Christian Science Centennial, the Christian Science Journal, and the Herald of Christian Science. She wrote numerous books and articles, the most notable of which was Science and Health, with key to the scriptures, which had sold over nine million copies as of 2001. Now, why is Mary Baker Eddy? Because she brought a new concept into religion. You know, Christ, he talked about listening to the inner voice, you know, listening to that that spiritual side of us. And this is what Mary Baker Eddy and the group did in the early 1900s when they started what they call New Age. And she really stepped out and and founded the uh, Church of Christ, which is a, a phenomenal thing for a woman at that time in 1879 to step up and say, look, I'm a religious leader. I have an opinion. So happy birthday to Mary Baker Eddy. It's kind of interesting. I'm going to be interviewing Mary Moore, and I understand her birthday's around July 16th. So here's another another Mary that has made amazing uh, impact on religion and on new thought, so to speak. So happy birthday, Mary. And like I said, she passed away December 3rd, 1910. And then another person whose birthday is on July 16th is one of my heroes. This is a woman that whenever I get down or I feel I can't do something or I have to speak out and I get scared, I think of Ida B. Wells Barnett, an amazing woman. She was an American investigative journalist, educator, and early leader in the civil rights movement. She was was one of the founders of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, which in Sonoma County right now, we're revisiting it and, and, and growing the organization again. Over the course of a lifetime dedicated to combating prejudice and violence, the fight for the American, the African-American equality, especially that of women. Wells arguably became the first most famous black woman in America. An amazing, an amazing woman. She went into the deep south and she was the first reporter to report on lynching of her people. What courage she had. And from my understanding, this woman was born into slavery. So this is just an amazing, an amazing woman. So happy birthday to Ida Bell Wells Barnett, born July 16th, 1862, and made her transition March 25th, 1931. Amazing woman. Look up Ida B. Wells Barnett. I mean, if you want some encouragement or you want to, you want to get a little encouragement about how to have a little bit of less fear when you have to speak out, read her biography. She is just amazing. Amazing. Well, happy birthday to whoever's having a birthday out there. You know, we're in the, in the month of cancer and right now, it uh, looks like we're going to be taking a musical break. And the song I'm going to be playing, and I'm going to be interviewing Debbie McKay, who is the president of the Sonoma County League of Women Voters. We'll be talking about a special event that the league is presenting called How to Run for City and Town Councils. And I don't know, this song to me is, I I dedicate this to Debbie McKay. She does a great job. So when we come back, we'll be talking with her, and I want you to enjoy the song. And the most important thing in a democracy 
is you have got to vote and you've got to pay attention who you're voting for. These people make decisions for our life. These people make decisions for the future of our children's life. Very important. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play vote and we'll come back when we'll be talking with Debbie McKay. For you just joining us, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. And I want to remind my listeners, the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest. Joining me on the phone is Debbie McKay, president of the Sonoma County Chapter of the League of Women Voters. Welcome, Debbie. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much, Elaine. We appreciate this opportunity, and I love that song. I want to let you know the League has been singing that song for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, get out the vote. That's so get true. Get out the vote. Well, before we start, I want to just tell my tell my listeners just a little bit about you, Debbie. Is that okay? Sure. Debbie McKay is a lifelong resident of Sonoma County and has always been active in the community. Previously, she served as the treasurer and president of the YWCA. Currently, she is the president of the League of Women Voters and former chair of the League Outreach Committee, where she taught over 50, 60 local community members how to register citizens to vote. What an amazing task, Debbie. Anything that you would like to la- add, my friend? Uh, I just think it's interesting that the League actually grew out of the women's suffrage movement, which we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of that as well. And Carrie 
uh, Chapman Catt was our founder. She was the president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. And when women won the vote, that was just step one. Then women had to know how to register, how to find their polling place, how to make informed decisions, and that work goes on to this day. We continue to educate voters and register them and explain the voting process. Why do you think, why do you think, you know, just I know if this kind of sounds like a kind of a silly question, but just talk a little bit why it's so important and that how your vote does count. Well, there's actually been a number of elections where one vote uh, made a decision about a very important decision that affected thousands and millions of people. And the best example of that that comes to mind is women getting the right to vote. Because that passed by one vote in our National Congress. It also was passed by one vote in Tennessee when it was ratified. And there's lots of other examples where one vote made a difference. So when people think their vote doesn't matter, that's really not true. Your vote matters a lot. And, you know, another thing that I find is very interesting, you know, when people complain, I ask them, did you vote? And if they say no, I say, you don't have any right to complain. If you're not going to do this one simple thing, which is the foundation of democracy, is to vote. I mean, I just, I have to scratch my head. I can't figure, it's just like I can't figure out why people will not wear a mask when they know there's this disease that's running rampant around us. I mean, why people don't vote. They, oh, I'm not going to vote. My vote doesn't count. But folks, your vote does count. Well, Debbie, I understand that the league is doing something very, very special. And when I found out about this, I mean, I just, I really was excited about it because I think it is so, so important that people not only vote, but they understand that they have an opportunity if they choose that they could run for office. So talk a little bit about you're going to be having this uh, this seminar, I guess, is how to run for city or town council. Can you talk a little bit about that? And yes, so what was the motivation? What motivated you to do this? Uh, yeah, we were motivated by looking at our community and looking at who our elected representatives currently are. And we have very capable people, but they don't necessarily reflect the population in our community. We want to have more people in decision-making positions that reflect the community, so more women, more people of color, more young people. We want to have a diverse uh, set of leaders that lead us and make really important decisions. I mean, right now, the big discussion is about how much money are we going to put in policing? Are we going to change how we do policing? Well, guess who makes those decisions? Your local city councils or town councils. So it's really important for everyone to be in that decision-making process, and we want to kind of demystify how you run for office. Well, tell us a little bit about who's involved. I mean, it's, Sure. It's, it's, uh, we've actually got a nice broad range of people that are going to be on our panel. Victoria Fleming, who's the current vice mayor for the city of Santa Rosa. We have Marta uh, Cruz, who is a city council member in the city of Cloverdale. We have Esther Lemos, who is the vice mayor in the town of Windsor. And we have Lee Pierce, who is a former Santa Rosa city council member. And then rounding out our panel is Karen Weeks. And Karen is a league member who has helped several city council members run successful campaigns. So she's going to be covering all the nuts and bolts of how do you run for office. 
and the other panel members are going to be talking about their experience and what made them successful in becoming city council members. Well, what's so amazing when you think that we're coming up to the 100th anniversary, you know, on one hand, you know, they're they're trying to stop us from getting birth control, whatever that rigmarole is all about. But on the other hand, look at how many women are stepping up to the plate and actually running. And when you look at, I watched the series, it's a two-part series called The Vote. And what's so interesting that when you look at what the suffrage movement was, they were their hope was that if more and more women got on, got into office, voted, that we would end, we would end up ending wars. We would have more, more consideration for our children, look more at labor laws. And it's just an amazing thing what they accomplished. Accomplished. And to think that it only it took 72 years and we only got it by one vote is just mystifying for me. Well, I want to remind, I'm going to ask you the final question to talk about how people can listen in or tune into this. But I want to remind my listeners that all the information that we are we are putting over the air right now, if you go on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com, all this information will be there. So tell us a little bit your final words, anything final that you'd like to say, Debbie, and also let us know how we can plug into this uh, this important event. Well, I think the easiest way for people to sign up and watch this event is at 6 o'clock on Wednesday evening. Go to our Facebook page, and that is, w, excuse me, it is um, at facebook.com slash LWV Sonoma County. And our very first post on that page is our link tree. And if you click on our link tree, it has the links to go to YouTube Live and Facebook Live where we will be live streaming this presentation. So, again, that is our League of Women Voters Facebook page. And you would go to the very first post and click click on the link tree. Or you can just also go to um, Facebook and check live and watch and search for it or the same thing on YouTube. But the easiest way would be to go to our Facebook page. And I'm really hoping a lot of young people and women and people of color will watch this presentation. And it will educate you about the process. It will educate you about what city council members do. So even if you yourself don't want to run, then it will show you what kind of things you should look for in the people that are running. And I'm hoping it'll make people think about how else they might get involved. So not just city councils are elected, local school boards are elected. We have a lot of boards and commissions in Sonoma County that you can be appointed to. So I hope it'll it'll spur people to think about how they can get involved and how they can make this community, excuse me, this community what they want it to be. How they can kind of realize their vision of what they would like our community to look like. Uh, there's lots of different ways to get involved. And maybe they would get involved working on somebody's campaign because we need lots of volunteers when people run to have a successful campaign. Well, you know, I, I just want to clarify one thing. The league does not endorse any particular candidate. We endorse the democracy that we have and the electoral process that we have. So we don't endorse candidates, but we really endorse making democracy work. Well, you know, I couldn't have said it any better. That is so important, Debbie. And I want to publicly thank you for all the wonderful work you've done. You certainly, you certainly are a force and a voice in our community that I deeply appreciate. Is there any email that you'd like to share, maybe, if people want to get a hold of you? Certainly. If people want to get a hold of me, they can send an email to president at lwvsonoma.org. 
and I would be happy to answer any questions that people might have or give them further information. And I also encourage people to think about joining the League. If you go to our webpage, there's an easy button that will take you right to the page where you can join the League. And we're all volunteers. That's how we get our work done. We're always looking for new members and new volunteers. And it's a way to have a voice, you know. It is a way to have a voice. The more you belong, like I say, you know, don't complain to me if you're not active. (laughs) That's my (laughs) motto. Anyway, Debbie McKay, thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces, and thank you so much for organizing this. And that's going to be this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, right? Yes. And I really look forward to it. And thank you so much, and I wish you much success with this event. Thank you very much, Elaine, and we really appreciate your show and what you do to educate the community. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Takes one to know one, Debbie. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye, my friend. Well, thank you, Debbie McKay, president of the Sonoma County League of Voters. I am truly looking forward to this presentation. It's so important to get involved. I know since I've been involved, I mean, it's sometimes depressing because you find the ins and outs and you find sometimes how slow it is to get something done. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next segment. I'm going to be talking with activist Mary Moore. We'll be talking about this uh, this morning about the history of Sonoma County, about a report that Mary, along with others, made happen uh, provided by the California Advisory Committee to the United States Commission on Civil uh, Civil Rights about the community concerns with law enforcement, which has been going on forever. And let's go ahead and we're going to take a musical break and get them. We'll get Mary on the phone and we're going to I'm going to dedicate this to all these workers that what they're trying to what they're trying to admit to people about politics. This is called Politics Kills. And let's go ahead and play that, Ken, and then we'll get a hold of Mary. <laughs> Politics kills, politics kills, politics kills, politics kills, 
song is, to me, is amazing. When I first found it, I thought, well, boy, oh boy, politics. We sure are seeing it in action lately with this pandemic. I mean, that song really resonates to me these days. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Bases. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my very special guest. Joining me on the phone is longtime activist Mary Moore. And what we'll be talking about this morning is a bit of history in Sonoma County, a report that Mary, along with others, made happen, provided by the California Advisory Committee to the United States. States Commission on the Civil Rights, rights about our community concerns about law enforcement in Sonoma County. And remember, folks, our history is our strength. And by the way, when I went to work, I was working on the Andy Lopez situation, a young boy that was shot here in Sonoma County uh, 2013, seven bullets in that young body. I had no idea that this report even existed or that this happened. And thank you, Mary. Mary made sure that everybody got a copy of it and studied it together. So welcome, Mary. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Well, thank you so much, Elaine. That song was quite an introduction. (laughs) Well, I told you it's a special song. I'm actually going to dedicate that to you and your group. Okay. Yeah, and speaking of Andy Lopez, I'm so glad you're doing this program because it did not begin with Andy Lopez in 2013. Exactly, and that that's the fear that I personally have. But before we begin, I just want to tell my listeners a little bit about you. Is that okay, Mary? Sure. Mary Moore has been a social justice activist since 1962. Well, that's that you did that. Oh, boy, you've been around for a while, focusing on issues of racism, sexism, and classism. In the late 70s, she organized a statewide network to stop Diablo Canyon and Rancho Seco nukes. She is the co-founder of the Bohemian Grove Action Network. Actually, that's how we first met in 1980 to raise awareness of the elite and small network of men with outsized influence that gather annually at the Bohemian Grove in Sonoma County uh, in the mid-90s. She helped to start a local movement against police abuse, getting the United States Civil Rights Commission to hold hearings in Sonoma County and documenting the unacceptable amount of killings by police. She, Are you still working with your archive project, Mary? I'm still doing it. It's going to the Bancroft Library. Right, and that is quite an honor. And then the last time that we talked, you said that you were writing a book. Well, I haven't gotten around to that yet. <laughs> You're like me. We'll be writing our memoirs. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh, Somebody else is going to have to come in and save the day on that one. <laughs> well, let's let's begin. In the late sure. 1900s, uh, 1900s, the late 1990s, there was this uh, a lot of police killings here in Sonoma County. Mary, it was, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Mary, along with many others, did a lot of local organizing, which led to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights to hold hearings in Sonoma County. So why don't you, why don't, and then also there was a presentation on the local deaths and attracted some national attention, and you also worked with a woman by the name of, of Karen Sari, and I want to thank Karen. She sent me a lots of inter- information. She wrote the book Stolen Lives, and she also kept track of all these horrible incidents. She did uh, the bulk of the research that uh, we're going to get into. So talk about, talk about what was happening in 1997 when the initial investigation was going on. What was your motivation? What prompted that report? Well, there was actually a little spate in the mid-90s, and in 1997, I think it was eight deaths in that one year, and that was a lot for any community. 
um, by the uh, local law enforcement. So this has been going on since 1997, you know. This has been going on forever. You know, if I could just interject uh, one concept in this new dialogue, this global dialogue we're having on racism and police abuse has brought out one thing. It's the whole concept of policing began in the 1700s with the slave patrols. That's why these two concepts are so linked. Um, and we, as we get into it, I can explain that a little bit more, but I think that's something I hope everybody can sit back and ponder and think about. Well, we never think about those things. We never that's think. That's right. You know, that's why I say over and over, our history is our strength. When we understand, right. when we understand where something comes from, it could have one idea. I mean, there was a that was one idea back then, but that idea does not necessarily equate to what's going on today. And that's why not only do we have to defund, we have to rethink policing. Well, let's talk a little bit about this report. You know, who pulled it together? And I know you were very active in this. And what was the impact? You know, the thing that was the most surprising thing to me is that when I got involved with this horrible thing that happened to young Andy Lopez, which spurred so much, and then all of a sudden this, this report cropped up. And when I read it, I said, what? This is in 2000, and here we are in 2013, and we're having well, one incident after another. So talk a little bit about yeah. what, what, who pulled it together, and how did you get well, it to happen? Well, actually, uh, the hearings were held up here in 98. It took us two years. Once we had the hearings done, and, and with all due respect to them, government moved slowly. Uh, we had to get out there again and fight to get the report finally released. <laughs> so... It just, uh, the gears move slowly. But at this spate of killings and then culminating in 1997 with eight deaths at the hands of, uh, one of them was in the jail. The other three were Santa Rosa Police and um, Ronard Park and uh, the sheriff. And so uh, we all, we got together. Karen was uh, one of the people, Karen, that you mentioned earlier. And um, we worked, and, you know, we were going up against how do you begin, where do you go? And somebody, a local person, had the uh, contact to Cruz Reynoso, and I hope people remember that name and know that name. Uh, he was the uh, head of the advisory committee, and he made it happen. Once we, once we connected with him, it was just a matter of time, and, and the next year they were here. So how long how long did it take how many interviews did they interview people who did they Yes it was uh it was a one day affair it was an all day affair and the community really came forward as you know you saw the report um and and it's it's so important for people to understand how far back this goes obviously it goes back to slavery but when we started it was the mid 90s Well when I look at the report and I read it you know, first of all, it is so comprehensive, and I mean, it, yeah. it's so detailed. I mean, it, when you read it, it's, it almost gives you a headache. The community so response part is so detailed, it's yes. It's so detailed. And then at the at the last pages, there's recommendations, some That's really, right. really solid recommendations. And here, when we go up to 2000, right now, 2020, 
You know, we just had some major incidents. We have a new sheriff, and we've still we had at least seven incidents since he's been elected. Plus, we've just had this horrific thing with the dog bite, where the, the trainer couldn't get the dog off the um, Jason Anglero in Grayton. Right, and it happened, and and here you wonder, well. I mean, Ken and I were walking one day, and he was attacked by a dog. In one second, the owner got that dog off of him. And he, I, he almost lost his leg, Jason did. And my, my granddaughter, it, it, that took place at my late daughter's old home oh, for with friends of our family, very close friends of our family. My granddaughter's been very involved in that case. So you, when you look at this and you look at the recommendations, and now they're forming a new task force. They're uh, forming with uh, Susan Gorin and uh, yeah, I know, and Linda Hopkins. They're they're ahead, and my fear is, my fear is, is that this report. In fact. I heard a rumor that one of the supervisors actually said, I don't have to read that. I mean, that was, to me, was, what? You don't have to read it? This is a report from the United States Commission on Civil Rights. So why don't you blend the report in and say... to support the, let me read this. It's called the effective, to support the effective IOLERA in a form of an ordinance that was initiated by uh, then director of the IOLERA, Jerry Treat. And explain, let's, let's explain IOLERA a little bit. How did IOLERA come to be? Okay. We, uh, right after one of the main recommendations, as you know, in the uh, 2000 report was a civilian review board. And, of course, uh, once we get into that subject, then it can go in all kinds of directions because it has to have teeth. It has to have subpoena power. And we worked our butts off to get a civilian review board going up here. Uh, In my opinion and in the opinion of many people that worked back then, the the, um, auditor, the police auditor role that Jerry came up for uh, it was a crumb thrown to the community because they don't want the uh, law enforcement does not want a civilian review board, much less one with teeth in it. Um, so we got the uh, police auditors. So we went, OK, we'll work with this. Jerry is a great guy. I think he's listening today. Uh, he's become my friend. Uh, but he is the first to um, talk about how frustrating it was to be in that role with no powers to really get the job done. And so he he spent several years there, and then he resigned, and he's now working. I, I dubbed him a pusher from the outside as opposed to a changer from the inside. <laughs> Sometimes you can get a little, little bit more done. Um, and he's uh, doing a great job, and he's trying to amend the job description. And that's what this uh, is all about for the Iolero um, that Carlene Navarro has taken over. So they're trying to they're trying to get a ordinance. In fact, I got an email this morning that they're really trying to push to get this ordinance on the ballot for November because they believe that there's no there's no organization or no group that's going to actually make any decisions that maybe you should let the people the people talk about it. And it's called the Evelyn Cheatham Effective Iolera Ordinance FPPC number one four two two seven twelve. And they want to go on the uh, November ballot. Can you talk a little bit about how that how that is going to impact the community? and how this report can support what they're trying to move forward. One thing I would like to clarify in the um, 
correspondence between you and me, you had mentioned uh, when the new director was hired, when Carlene Navarro was hired, um, that the group, her group, the citizens group, um, tr- is trying to place the ordinance. From the beginning, that has been Jerry Threat's effort, not not the um, Iolera's effort, to the, the uh, effort to change, to put more teeth into that role. I'd also like to say that What's really important, I, I support Jerry's uh, efforts totally, but I think along with that, we need to start reaching out to the community and to the board and get a, a real civilian review board going in Sonoma County. It's way overdue, and it was recommended back in 2000. And I don't think a lot of the people, much less the public officials, even know about this report. What do you think? What do you think is the resistance? I mean, you've been around a long time. What is the resistance? Well, the resistance is, of course, law enforcement does not want a civilian review board up here. And people, and as you know, um, being an, an activist doesn't pay very well. So people uh, come and it doesn't pay at all. <laughs> so people come and go. And it's called I think volunteer. People, yeah, it, it, it sure is. And uh, so people come and go. And I think uh, I know in my I can just speak for myself. I just I just literally there's so many other things to put your attention to. I just gave up on this one. And then, lo and behold, George Floyd gets killed, and the whole world is now on the subject of racism and police abuse. I mean, I can hardly believe what's going on. Uh, And I know you're amazed by this, too. It's just like it's reopened the whole concept. It's put these two, racism and police abuse, these two concepts that needed to be together all along, that are in most people of color, that's already connected, but in most white folks, they haven't made that connection, and they're making it now. Well, and and I, to me, this is very exciting, and my one fear is that it won't last. So I hope everybody listening will hit the streets, support these young people, and we've got to keep this going because real change can come out of that. And on a local level, we need to get a, a real civilian review board going with teeth in it. Well, I want to give I want to give folks listening a little bit of history about what we've been talking about. There was the Andy Lopez situation in and, and the, uh, in 2013, and the public I mean it exploded as far as I'm concerned. And I, yes. I I personally myself I went to an event and I met Andy Lopez's mother, and I looked right. I looked into her eyes and I I said to myself, God, do anything you want to me, but don't do this. I mean, it was the worst the worst feeling that I've had in a long time, and that and then the the public just went bananas. We had a coalition. We had protest. And, I mean, I, I'll never forget the day when we went to the sheriff's department with the young people and there was a whole line of, of men uh, pointing guns at us. I thought I would never live to see that. Yeah. And so what happened, the, uh, what grew out of that was the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach, which we call IOLERA. That was the crumb that was thrown to us. Right. But before that... We were organizing to get a civilian review board going. I still have a binder 
right. uh, with but, all of that. And what's interesting about this, when the report was brought up, it was all but ignored. I mean, I remember you. We got a we got a report into the hands of everybody on the task force that they performed, that they developed, and it looked like it it wasn't getting any attention at all. It's um, a it's a sixty page of intense reading, and most people aren't willing. I, and I commend you for actually reading it. Uh, but it's a, as you know, there's a lot of information, and I did want to get this one concept in at the very end, Appendix B. I mentioned Cruz Reynoso. He he writes a piece, and I'd advise you to to read it if you haven't. Called Police Abuse: Can We Change the Culture? And this is key. This whole issue isn't going to change unless we actually change the culture. And I, when we end this program, I would like to read uh, uh, one paragraph. Why don't you go ahead and read it now? Okay. Yeah, this is at the very end. The best response to police abuse is also long-term. A culture change must take place. I have no doubt that more than 99% of officers would not steal cocaine or frame an innocent man. But upon hearing that a fellow officer might have been involved in abusive or criminal behavior, how many would act to expose that? The Rodney King incident is instructive. What bothered me deeply was that present during the beating were more than a dozen officers representing several police organizations. 99% of officers would not administer such a brutal beating, but none who was present viewed the beating as absolutely unacceptable. There was no personal admonition on a one-to-one basis, nor were there reports to superiors, not one. There appears to be a police culture that accepts malfeasance. That culture must change. Just changing uh, oversight, getting oversight and all that is crucial. But the whole culture and racism is now globally being recognized as going along with uh, policing. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting when you read that. I think of the police officer, you know, to me, having oversight. I remember when I was in the wor- world of work and I was a manager, I had oversight. They'd, someone evaluated me every once in a while. I, they would do an employee sure. review, all these different things that happen. I think for the safety of the officer, and because of there's this code or this, this, this culture that they are part of that maybe they can't get out of themselves because, you know, peer pressure is really is, is a, an interesting phenomena, as you know, that maybe having oversight like this would actually protect them. Well, you're right. Um, and and it, uh, I, I, don't ask me to explain it because I don't, I don't <laughs> understand why there is such uh, complicity. Within the ranks, uh, I think it has to do with keeping your job, not making waves. Um, there is racism plays a big part in that, and it's um, keeping a capitalist culture going. Well, you know, as an activist, just let's go going back to this this uh, this ordinance that they're trying to get on the ballot or trying to get something to happen with it. How can, what would you suggest as an activist? How can people get involved? I know there's going to be a board of supervisors meeting uh, tomorrow. And, you know, of course, everything is over Zoom. And just to let my listening audience know, it's a little bit complicated. Everything will be on women's yeah. basis so people can get it explained. What, what, what do you, what do you feel people can do? What should they do? What, how can they 
support this to help make it happen? Well, that's what we're confronting now. Um, you, you know John Mutz, I'm sure. Um, he ran for sheriff here, and he's now retired. And he and I have been talking a lot about this, and we want to get this concept going. And when we do, there will be uh, meetings, whether they're virtual or in person, who knows, you know, uh, whatever way is best. If we have to sit six feet apart and with a mask on her face. But we do want to get that together. And if people are so inclined, we need their help because every single person that is listening has a group of friends. And once we can, they get involved, that means their friends are accessible. And that's how we have to do it. We have to just spread it, make it, whether we can, I don't think we can do this by November. And that's why I'm going to keep working um, to support Jerry Threat and the Iolero ordinance. Um, but ultimately, uh, I'm encouraged by what's going on across the world right now. Uh, and I'm encouraged enough to revisit the idea of getting this up here. I, I just can't emphasize it enough. And if people think that's important, uh, they can contact me. Um, my email is um, the word justice in small letters, J-U-S-T-I-C-E, the number three, not spelled out, the number three, justice3 at Sonic. Yeah, and that'll be on our on our website. Okay. You know, and I was also I was, I was also thinking about you know about citizens becoming involved. Maybe they can write letters to the supervisors that they want some sort of uh, some sort of oversight. Or, or actually, there is so much information out there that you can read. You can read about the ordinance. Exactly. You know, there's all there's all kinds of ways, and I'm going to list a whole bunch of different. Uh, oh. Could I just interject something? I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. But um, uh, if if somebody's interested in getting some of this stuff we've referred to, like these exposés on how policing started, um, I send out three emails a day. It's a free service. I don't charge. Um, And it's on many issues. It's called the police abuse list. But it's it's on many issues because it's all connected. And um, once they email me and request to be on the list, we'll start sending them to uh, to them also. I, and I have to say, I have to say thank you. You definitely keep me updated because I, can, I where did where did the information come from? You know, you trying come to do re- my inbox right, from right, trying to trying to do in uh, trying to do research on it. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment, and is there any particular things that you feel is very important that we? Yeah, I, I want to make a very quick connection uh, to another global um, concept. A lot of people do not realize that. Israel, um, from its 70 years of occupation of the Palestinians, have learned some very um, interesting police tactics. And U.S. has been, for years, has been sending their police forces over to Israel for these trainings. And out of that has come the concept of the militarization of the police, which we could do a whole program on. Um, but it's very important for people to make that. They've learned that on the backs of uh, the Israeli uh, colonization of Palestine. And they've been very glad to be sharing it with the United States. And that I can document. Oh, that is that is disturbing when you think about it. It's very disturbing, but it's also clarifying. And another thing that's happening on this uh, global coming together is that the uh, Palestinian and uh, black 
and people of color connection is being made in in real ways. If people pay attention and 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 read the right things and understand some of this concept. An open mind is needed right now if you're not already there, especially if you're a white person. People of color know all of this a lot from experience. Well, you know, when they just, we just had a protest in downtown Santa Rosa of all places and all of a sudden a young white boy, I believe, was shot with a, a rubber bullet, which was, yeah. was, was so shocking to me. And also, you know, that's interesting that you bring that actually our police department is being trained to be militarized. You know, I, I often think about the, the issue with the mask. You know, I was talking to somebody at Costco and she said she was literally attacked by this person. She said, I'm a United States citizen. I don't have, I have choice. I don't have to wear a mask. And I say to myself, yeah, you know, you do have a choice, but you know something? We have a First Amendment right. Why are you not out there screaming that when people yeah. are trying to say we want peace, we want no more violence, why aren't you protecting that right? Yeah. You know, those are the, I mean, when you think about the mask, I mean, to me, the mask to me is like a, is like a seat belt or a stop sign. You know, it's something that we have to do to prevent yeah. certain issues. But when it comes to brutalizing people that are expressing their First Amendment rights, I mean, that is something you can get your teeth well, And in. also, I'd like to say, um, when you mentioned that a white boy had been shot with a rubber bullet it is race and class the class issue is crucial uh in the understanding of all of this too how do you how do you figure that real quickly the um, uh, wealthy people are not being um, killed at the rate that poor people are it's a class issue as well as a racial issue well you all of a sudden had that image of those of those people coming out and protesting i forget what state it was was threatening the administration if they didn't do certain things and they had guns and nothing happened the police just came and was very friendly and made them go home and there was no incident whatsoever and yet like you say when poor people or people of color get out there and protest and there's a problem yeah. well i hope you know i'm i, I we could go on and on I yeah we that. sure could but we're, so. we've come to the end of the segment and i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart mary moore for coming on for providing us with such good information and give give people your email one more time if, if people it's, want to get a hold the of the word justice in small letters spelled out j-u-s-t-i-c-e with the number three at sonic.net. And I think it's very important, you know, to, for people can get information. You know, it's an easy way to get information, and it's it's very interesting when it comes across because every, I know it, there's not one day that doesn't go by when I don't say, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? What's happening now? So thank you so very much. Well, for thank you that. for the opportunity, Elaine. Oh, no, it was my pleasure. And by the way, Happy birthday oh, to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Oh, Happy birthday, dear Mary. Happy birthday to you. In the turning, middle, turning 85 tomorrow. Muzzle top. Yay, muzzle top. You know something? Even with all our activism, we can still have a little bit of fun. Thank you. Happy birthday, my love. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Mary Bye. Moore. Well, folks, that's it for our show. 
two very powerful women. Thank you so much, Debbie McKay from the League of Women Voters, the president for, and then remember tomorrow, excuse me, Wednesday at six o'clock on Facebook, there is going to be a candidates forum where you can see how you can run for both the public office and maybe even national office. Very, very interesting. And all that information will be on our website, www.womenspaces.com. All the websites, everything you wanted to know and were afraid to ask, (laughs) it's all there. You know, and remember, our children are our future, and we must never lose sight of that. A child is a child. You know, we just had a new birth in our family. Little Lila, Ken's goddaughter, Alicia, just gave birth to a beautiful little girl. Another baby brought into the world. We have to work for peace. We have to work for oversight. And to the Sheriff's Department, please, don't resist. We're all in this together. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 13th, 2020.